Well, I'm happy that you guys are so engaged in your practices. Um, all right. So, does anybody here do yoga? Does anybody here go to the gym? Um, has anybody here ever gone to the gym? <laughs> so, you know when you go to the gym, you especially if you haven't been to the gym for a while, or say maybe you go on a hiking trip or something like this, you go outside, you know, you haven't done that in a while, you're kind of right away confronted with uh, maybe like something, like a shortness of breath or tightness of limbs or kind of this feeling like, oh gosh, I'm out of shape. Um, you know, that I inhabit this body, but only when I'm doing, you know, whatever workout or exercise or you know doing something a little bit outside of my daily routine a little bit more strenuous I really notice how quickly oh I get tired how how quickly I'm out of breath it's not working my heartbeat's going up so when you start doing physical activity you right away start to understand oh here's where my body's at yeah here's where my body's at um here's kind of what I need to do for myself. If I keep exercising, if I keep doing this, you know, I'll be able to climb up that hill without getting out of breath. Uh, if I keep going to the gym, I'll start to be able to do my workout and feel good versus feeling like exhausted and painful and sore and things like this. So by using the body, we understand where the body's at and we understand our bodies. So when you start to meditate, you're inhabiting your mind. Yeah, and you inhabit your mind all day long, just like you inhabit your body all day long. But you're not really aware of where your mind is at throughout the day. Just like you're not really aware of where your body's at until you're actually using it to do something. So when we start to meditate, the first thing that happens is we're kind of confronted with the mind. We're confronted with our life, our reality, our world. We are um, confronted with all of our thoughts and our thinking patterns. Yeah. All of our emotions and our emotional patterns. Yeah. Our perceptions and our perceptual patterns. Yeah. So like you guys were saying, right, if I'm sitting down to meditate and then I'm wondering, oh, what's the time and should I look or not? And then maybe you peek and you're like, oh, now I know, but did I just cheat on my meditation? Or I don't look and then I'm sitting there and then I'm like, but like, did I forget to set the alarm or something? Or why isn't it going off? Or kind of just spinning off, thinking about things. You know, what's happening in that moment, I would say, is that you are getting an insight into your craziness. You're getting an insight into your stupidity. Yeah, into your, we say ignorance in Buddhism. Um, because you're sitting there to relax and to meditate and the mind is taking over and it's running in a direction that's not bringing you to the goal that you set out to accomplish. Um, but you go with it and you believe it and you let it mislead you endlessly. Yeah. So one of the things that happens is when you start to practice is um, and I say this sometimes, the first thing you'll notice is all the reasons why you can't practice. 
right? It's not like you sit down and suddenly bing, you're peaceful Buddha. You know, usually you sit down and they have something they call it monkey mind, is like the term they use, right? That the mind, it's like a monkey, like it's jumping around, it's grabbing things, right? It's looking, oh, what's this? What's that? Oh, like, let's go over here, let's go over here, right? It's just jumping around, running around, no kind of control over it. Um, you know, and I lived in India for a little while and there was monkeys there where I was and I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that fits very well. When you actually watch a monkey for a while, you're like, yep, that, that's how I am. Um, that it just does whatever the hell it wants and it doesn't matter, right? It's just shameless. It's like a child that's stronger and it can just do whatever it wants. So this is also, I would say, the spiritual path. This is also the path of growth and self growth and development and all of this stuff it all comes back to the same thing it's understanding yourself understanding where you're at and understanding where you would like to be and then understanding how to go from here to there how to get the results that you want yeah and when you meditate it's gonna happen if you're actually practicing right some people they'll just come to this class once a week and then that's it and then after this class ends they'll go home and never practice until they die and that was it you know uh, and yeah, that's, and those are the results that you will get from meditating five times with me. And maybe you got a little understanding of it and a couple pieces, but that's as much as it was, right? Um, people that then practice a little bit more regularly, that they bring it more into their lives. Maybe they start to notice, oh, you know, I'm, I'm starting to understand how my mind works a little bit more. I'm starting to notice that I have a little bit more distance from what's going on. Um, I'm a little less reactive. I understand myself more. I'm more comfortable being with myself than I used to be. Yeah, I'm more comfortable being with my discomfort than I used to be, right? And that's actually how things like equanimity start to happen, like peace and patience and relaxation, because you start to learn how to just sit with yourself through all of it. Yeah, I'm bored today, but I'm going to sit. I'm tired. I'm going to sit. I'm doubting. I'm going to sit. I'm judging. I'm going to sit. That you just go through it all and and it loses its power slowly over you as well. Um, so, you know, it's definitely good to have the sense of humor, right? To look at it and just be like, my mind, you know, um, but also in those moments, it's really important to just take a moment and to say, you know, what is this really about? You know, so I'm sitting down to meditate. How, I don't know how long you, half an hour, 20 minutes, whatever. Yeah. Sitting down to meditate for half an hour. And then your mind is thinking, oh, when is that? beeper going to go off? Is it going to go off? You know, all this stuff. I would say in that moment, you just take a breath and you say, you know, what is it that I'm doing here? Yeah. Am I here to relax and meditate? I'm not just sitting here waiting to not be here. Yeah. And if I am just sitting here to wait to not be here, then just don't be, go do something else, please. You know, if you don't want to be there, then don't be there. It's fine. But also, if you do want to be there and you actually want to practice and meditate and you sit down and still the mind takes on this, but I don't want to be here. Um, You know, firstly, that's just normal ego tricks. The ego just loves to trick you, tries to get in control, tries to get comfortable, tries to get back into familiar ways, tries to self-destroy things that move it outside of its habit and its um, comfort zone. Uh, But also... If you see in the meditation that your mind keeps following a certain pattern, 
like wanting to have some kind of control, like wanting to not be where it is in any given moment. You could probably bet that that same mechanism plays out all day long in your life in different ways. Yeah, and this is where the whole like self-realization stuff, like I understand myself better feeling comes from. Because you're sitting there for 20 minutes watching your mind trying to escape the present moment. You're watching your mind trying to get some kind of control, some kind of something to feed itself. And when you're not meditating, you feed it, which is kind of scary. Because when you're meditating, you're watching your craziness. Uh, when I did my 10-day Vipassana retreat in India, um, you know, 10 days not talking, just sitting there watching your mind. And I remember one day, it was like day four or five, I sat down and my mind had been really busy this whole time. And I sat down and I said, okay, mind, you know, I, th I thought this to myself, like, okay, I, I, you know, I'm ready to practice. Like, let's do it. Like, I'm fully in, let's go. And I close my eyes and my mind goes, Everybody wants Kung Fu fighting. And I opened my eyes and I was like, really? You know, I'm on a mountain in India. I have 10 days where I can just sit in this place silently. And like, you want to just do that to me? You know, and it's absurd, but that was really an important lesson. It's like, we don't have control over the mind. We don't have control. The mind is not in our control. And it's crazy because we believe the mind. After that 10 days ended in the Vipassana retreat, there's 10 days silence and then there's one day afterwards where you can talk and you kind of transition back into life. And I was talking with two of the other men that were at the retreat and one said, oh, do you think that the, there's like two people that like lead the retreat, you know, they're like, do you think that they meditate, you know, in their rooms in the morning when we don't see them or not? And then the other one's like, no, they don't. I'm sure they sleep in. Like, why would they meditate if they don't have to? And then I said, well, I mean, they're practitioners. Of course they wake up and meditate. And he was like, no, I mean, they're just, they're just look at them. They don't care. And I, because I had just come out of a 10-day retreat of just watching my mind, I just stopped myself and I just looked at them and I said, I have no idea what they do. And neither do any of you. And we've just been watching the craziness of our minds for the last 10 days, how our minds are absurd and shameless and misinformed. And as soon as we can talk again, what are we doing? We're believing ourselves again. That same mind that I just spent 10 days watching the craziness of, I am now embodying and defending. Defending. No, they must practice it. How could... I'm defending my belief. I'm defending my perception. I'm taking that thought and I, that's, it must be like that. And I'm fighting people with that thought. After 10 days of watching how my thoughts are insane, literally insanity. And that was just a huge lesson of, wow, we, we identify. We just identify. We're so quick to identify that that's me. Yeah, what if you're sitting there and those thoughts came up? Oh, is it time yet? Is it time yet? And you don't even, don't even think that those thoughts belong to you. Yeah? Oh, I don't want to sit here anymore. Okay, it's not so bad. Yeah, but I mean, I'm kind of bored. Am I doing it right? I mean, 
shouldn't I see results if I was doing it right? Do I need to breathe more? Maybe I should have done this after I ate. What time is it? If you could sit there with all that stuff going on and just not be involved, not, I like to use the word participate, not participate, pretend your thoughts are an insane person sitting next to you, just talking in your ear and everything there's just been, you know, I treat my thoughts when I meditate the same way that I treat background noises. Like if you heard the janitor come by with like a vacuum, you'd hear it, it would come, you'd hear this noise, and then it would fade away. And then it would be silent again. Yeah, if you just sat there, your thought's gonna come, it's gonna do its thing, and it's gonna leave. Um, if you're thinking with it, you're feeding it, you're giving it power, you're keeping it alive. That's what makes a thought train a train of thoughts because you keep grabbing onto the next thought. If that janitor passed with the thing and instead of letting just the, the noise go by, the vacuum, the noise go by, if I thought, oh man, that's disrupting. Doesn't he know that we're in here? Maybe I should tell him next time to wait till after he vacuum. Oh, but wouldn't that be kind of rude? He has a job, right? Yeah, but I mean, are the other people? If I started latching onto that noise, I would build a story, I would build a thought train that would keep leading me to some kind of resolution, potentially, maybe not. Maybe I just have this long thought, and then I go, oh, crap, it's time to end the meditation, ding, okay, <laughs> you know. Uh, so that's kind of like, what, that's what we're talking about here, right? Is that this is really giving us an insight into our mind. And, um, and I had this kind of thought actually last year that I think I made a Facebook post and I said, you know, I do not offer bells and whistles. You know, I don't offer mystical experiences. You know, you're not going to be floating off the ground and glowing and reading people's minds. Uh, you're not going to leave here shining with peace and knowing everything. Uh, I offer you the opportunity only to sit quietly alone in a room and look at yourself. And that's it. And it's that simple and that profound, and that easy, and that difficult, and that kind of confusing, and that boring. Um, that's it, this is all that there is. And all that stuff that comes up, that's your practice. Your practice isn't peace, be peaceful, that's not the practice. The practice is, where am I? Yeah, I'm going to the gym, I'm not a giant muscle man that's you know lifting up cars and stuff, like I'm, I have like a five pound weight and I'm like having trouble doing tricep flies with it. And this was what happened to me today when I was at the gym. I was like, I'm lifting a five pound weight and that's all that I can do. But that's where I am right now. This is where I'm at right now. Okay. You know, and I'm going to keep working on this and maybe in a year I'll be able to lift a 10 pound weight or something. I don't know. So the more that we're kind of aware of these thought patterns, emotional patterns, perceptual patterns, the more we also start to be able to recognize them, we also know how in the moment to kind of pop the balloon, if it, as it were. Um, you know, I can say it from experience, my mind was really a mess. I, as a human being, was a mess um, going into the monastery in a lot of ways. 
And I had to face myself intensely for eight years, imagine, right? Eight years in a monastery. Uh, and I had to learn how to navigate all of these different kinds of things, you know? And you can imagine, it's, you're faced with everything. And also as like a 20 year old kid sitting there, you know, you can't have sex, you can't do drugs, you can't party, you can't go out, you can't make money. There's really no way to identify yourself with outside things, you know? And I had sexual desire come up, you know, it's like, what do you do? You know, I'm sitting alone in my room and I'm thinking of like a girl from high school or something. And I'm like in a monastery in Germany. I'm like, you're not having sex like in the foreseeable future, Seth. Like, what are you going to do? You know, how do you deal with that stuff? So you just have to slowly learn. I I don't want to use the word coping mechanisms, but you learn ways to in the moment adjust. And I, you know, we, we had some Kung Fu classes in the monastery and I very much feel that it's the similar feeling of as if you were in a Kung Fu fight with your mind, right? That at the beginning of the fight and as you're untrained, you just get beat up. Boom, 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 boom. You don't know what's going on. You're just getting beaten, 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 beaten. But then slowly you learn, you know, I can block a punch. And then that punch didn't hit me. Then maybe the other side hits you. Okay. Yeah. So now you learn block that punch, but then block that one. Yeah. Maybe the next time those punches come, you learn, I can just take a step back and then nothing hits at all. Yeah. Then maybe you can learn, I'm just not going to even go in the room with that punching person. It's not worth it. Yeah. That you slowly start to learn how to navigate your own mind. And when you start to learn how to navigate your own mind, then you'll also find in daily life situations, whatever comes up, you'll know how to navigate it. And I can say that I feel very experienced in that. You know, I also give energy healings. It's another part of my work. And I was today, gave a healing to a man who was a Harvard professor. And he's now 70 years old. He's just retiring, just moving into like a nice beach house. And he was telling me difficulties he was having, um, you know, in his life and with his kids and things like this. And he told me a situation and I just listened and I could just see what was going on. I could just see his feelings, see where he's at, see the situation, see the kids. And I just kind of looked at it and I said, well, you know, why don't you just do this, this, and this? Or why don't you just say this to the kid? And he just kind of looked at me and his mouth dropped open. He's like, wow, like that, you just in a sentence summarized what I've been trying to say, but I said not so skillfully, right? And, you know, this person has a degree, right? They teach at Harvard, the most prestigious school in the world, one of the at least. And here, 35-year-old Seth Monk sitting here, you know, and I can identify his feelings for him. I can identify his situation for him. I know what he needs to do and say and communicate in that moment to resolve and dissolve um, conflicts. And that is simply from just sitting. I don't have a degree. I I mean, I went to school for art. I have an art degree, whatever that does for somebody, but... You know, I don't have a degree in psychology. I didn't learn, I didn't go to, you know, some kind of class for that, you know. I just sat with my mind and worked on it intensely and understood how that works to the point that now I can also look at someone else's mind and just see very clearly, oh, this is what your mind is doing. These are the little things you need to to switch. This is the wrong understandings in there. How to go down, switch the perception that then this this machine functions more healthy, you know, this, this mind, the structure works better. And that's kind of the benefit that you get from meditations that you do, you start to understand yourself better. 
but then you also start to learn how to be more at peace with yourself because ultimately that's the goal right is that we're not just doing this to do it one of the things also um you know i heard somebody once say that you know in philosophy you know just philosophy as a topic uh the goal quote unquote the goal is to try to you know apprehend truth right the goal is to try to understand how to how to pose theoretical ideas to try to move in the direction of like what is the truth but as we know philosophy ends up pretty much nowhere right philosophy it's a lot of philosophizing right it's very airy and there's like oh maybe it's like this maybe it's like that you know there's all these ideas um but the goal of philosophy is is a head thing but there's a lot of philosophers that were alcoholics they were miserable they were drunk yeah what did that philosophy actually do for them yeah we can talk about science and technology too right technology we're all technologically driven cultures and societies technology is like the big thing uh what are we doing with our technology yeah how much of our country's military budget you know is is as money going to the military to build better weapons better technology we have now all these phones and these computers and these devices and all these things i look around i see people getting more and more and more stressed out yeah i see that these these technologies were supposed to be to make our lives more convenient and in some ways they do of course but now also it's like well now that i have my phone i have no excuse not to always be working i'm on the clock constantly i have to receive emails in the middle of the night because i can't and even technology it has no moral compass it has no direction yeah so that's where something like religion was supposed to come in right spirituality yeah this thing that there's like a moral compass and there's kind of this path towards something greater but when you look at a lot of religions uh they're completely blind right they're just these creation stories that have been passed down and repackaged and rebranded and a lot of different uh kingdoms and different groups uh refashioned them to have different political leverage right to control communities um and then we even see like when you look inside of spiritual communities you often see that there's a lot of darkness going on inside of them actually and that is kind of also not really doing it for us anymore so we're back at this place where it's like well what is the direction we're supposed to be going and what is the point of all of this and the buddha i feel said it as simply as possible he said to find the end of suffering yeah which can also be said to find peace to find freedom um if what you're doing isn't bringing you more peace and more happiness then what are you doing and i mean that really what are we actually doing yeah if i sit down to meditate and i'm thinking about the time the whole time what the hell am i doing yeah what is this about then i'm not here to fulfill some kind of you know structure where i have to sit here and if i don't do it i beat myself up cuz i'm bad cuz i didn't sit today what is the point of this the point of this is to be happier if you look closely the point of everything you've ever done is to try to be happier every single thing you have ever done you've done it because you thought it was going to bring you happiness on some level somehow yeah we are happiness driven creatures yeah i think all creatures are 
And it's crazy because if you think about it like that, that everything everybody does, it's because they're trying to feel good. They're trying to be happy. You look at the world, it's a mess. You look at all these people, we're a mess. So how is it that everybody wants happiness but is creating the opposite? Yeah? How do we still have wars? How do we have such horrible pollution? How do we have such broken political systems? Yeah, broken families, inabilities to communicate, fights in our partnerships, all of this stuff. How, why? Why is that like that if we all wanna be happy? And it's because we're stupid. And it's really that simple. It's that we know what we want to feel, but the how, how to get there, how to feel that, we're completely blind. We're completely blind to how. Yeah. We don't understand ourselves. We don't understand the mind. We don't understand nature. We don't understand other people. And the way that we're trying to get this happiness, uh, the Buddha said it's like if you try to wash your face with, but your hands are dirty, right? You're just smearing more mud on your face. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah, the way that we try to find our happiness is not working, but we keep doing it. Yeah. Why do we keep doing it? Because we never take a moment to stop. We never take a moment to stop and sit down and shut up and just be present and say, like, is this working? Yeah. Is this working? Is my life working? Is my mind working? Does this make sense? Is this is this successful or not or is this hurting me what's going on what needs to change just sit there and watch it happen and say oh okay I see I'm a control freak who likes to complain about things and always wants something that's not here and uh, no wonder why my life feels really heavy and unfulfilled because I don't have any kind of gratitude or appreciation for this moment I am running around in mental circles the whole time, which get, actually get nowhere and they're exhausting. Um, I'm separating myself then from myself and my surroundings and the people that are around me. I don't actually know how to connect myself into my life. Yeah, I don't actually even have access to any positive feelings because I'm just so much in my stress and in my head and trying to change things and fix things and do better. Yeah, we start to see all of that and it's hard and it's scary and it's painful and it's difficult, but it's honest. It's honest, you know? And if somebody gets in a, a car accident and you bring them into the hospital, what does the doctor do? They look at them. I, they look at the patient, they give them tests, they x-ray them, They're like, what is wrong with this patient? And then they know how to fix it, yeah? We never take the time to sit and look, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with my mind? What's going on here? Yeah, what is not working? What is working? But what is this? What's going on? And it's, that's for me even another level of the insanity that even culturally, even globally, we're moving farther and farther and farther and farther away from ourselves. We're getting more and more busy more screens, more things to look at, more out there, out there, out there, out there. It's like uh, compounding, right? That state of being detached from ourselves. 
that it's, that it's increasingly difficult to sit with ourselves. And, and when we do, we don't even know where to begin. So that's really what this is about. I mean, it's really that simple. It's, it's taking a moment, this little sliver of time, your half an hour a day or whatever, this one and a half hours a week, to just sit and to not be doing something else, to not be distracted, to not be thinking about troubleshooting and problem solving and planning and worrying and regretting and stressing and hoping and dreaming, to not be lost in the the world, but just to really sit down and take a breath. Yeah, and only when you can take a breath, okay, you right? Okay, so you take this breath, you look around, okay. And then you know, I'm gonna have to leave that door in an hour and go back into that same life, into that same mind. Is there maybe like one little thing that I can shift? Yeah, maybe I can just learn to take a breath. Maybe I can just learn to be with a situation a little bit more. Maybe I just learn what it feels like to just wait a little bit, be a little bit more patient than reactive, right? Go back out into life. Come back here, okay, wow, how was that? How did I do? How am I doing? Am I doing good? Yeah, is there another little piece that I can add to that? Yeah, and slowly, piece by piece, shifting, changing, transforming our lives. And sometimes the pieces are bigger. Yeah, I think I told the story when I started meditating, um, I was trying to get peace through breathing because you know this, you feel the breath to meditate. And I would sit there and I'd breathe and breathe and try to get this peacefulness and I'd get frustrated and it wasn't happening. And this was me for like five years. And then this teacher, Achim Brahm, came and he's like, well, your problem is that you want to be peaceful, but you're stressing yourself out. You want to feel content and yet you're constantly trying to get something that's not here. That your how is broken. He said, instead of trying to get peace, which in of itself, it's a broken system because you're filling this moment with the feeling of incompleteness you're filling this moment with the feeling of I want something to be here that's not here, discontentment. And you're feeling discontentment your whole meditation. And that's just this self-perpetuating cycle that you've been in. And he said, why not just throw the meditation out the window and just sit down and relax? And my mind was like, yeah, but, you know, but if I do nothing, and then he said, you know, you've been trying to do something this whole time and it's not gotten you anywhere. Try doing nothing. And my mind said, yeah, but if it's that simple, shouldn't everyone be able to do it? Yes, everyone can do it, but nobody is doing it. Yeah, but why didn't the Buddha just say that? And my mind kept trying to grab, kept trying to justify, kept trying to validate its broken method. And eventually it was just kind of like, Seth, just try it. Just try. Take this one meditation for this 30 minutes and just try to relax. Try to like, try to stop. 
stop fighting this moment. Stop, stop pulling and pushing and controlling and try to just be here and let that be okay and enough. And it was one of the deepest meditations I had ever had up to that point. And it also gave me insight into something much, much deeper in myself, which I was born with, which, you know, I don't want to get into like past life stuff or whatever, but that as far as I can remember in this life, and I was born prematurely even. So when I was born, my lungs weren't working yet, right? So I was put in like a little box. So on a deep level, there's something in me that was born feeling that the world is not okay, that the world is dangerous, that the way things are, if I can just, if I drop into the way things are, I get a panic attack because I have this trauma from when I was born that says the, how things were, just being present in the moment was dangerous, was suffering, I couldn't breathe, I was dying. And that energy has carried over until now. And then also I was born into a family with two parents that also liked telling me how I should be different than I was. And I went to a school who told me how I should be, how I'm not. And a bunch of kids my age who said, here's how you need to be for us to like you and accept you. And then I'm in a monastery with this Buddha statue in front of me that's saying, here's how you need to be, you know. And I was just following along that same unconscious script of thinking that that it was somewhere else that happiness was somewhere else peace was somewhere else if I could just do this thing different if I could just figure out how to then I could if then if then if then yeah on loop and Achen Brahm came and he just looked at it and he pointed out the mechanism he didn't give me the answer I wanted. He pointed out the mechanism itself. And he's like, this mechanism is running you in circles. Drop the mechanism. And when I could drop that, suddenly my entire life began to open up. Because then I realized, wow, actually, I never right, felt gratitude, appreciation. I never felt grounded. I never really felt here. Yeah, everything was, I had to do something, right? It's, it's almost like a mantra in my mind. Uh, it's not okay, it's not okay. You're not okay, it's not okay. Something's wrong, something's wrong. Like a mantra, an energy that was just spinning unconsciously my whole life. Yeah, and when I could see that clearly, when that could break off, it was like, wow, it was like a rebirth, right? It was like suddenly, oh my God, you know, it, it is okay. Things are okay, you know? And then I'm driving in my car today, oh, feel great everything's okay and some woman kind of cuts me off and she starts honking and she's angry and she's yelling and I see that and I look at her and I just say yeah like I I know what that's like I know what it's like to think that anger is the answer I know what it's like to not take responsibility for your own mind to blame other people I know exactly what it's like to be like that yeah and I'm happy I'm not like that anymore yeah and I start to see it and I start to see that transformation as these big pieces drop off, the little ones and the big ones, yeah? And I also then see it in other people, and I'm like, oh, okay, they're still working on that. This is where they are. Or I'll meet somebody, and I'm like, wow, they're really kind. They're really patient. God, they're friendly. They're, I wish I was that friendly. Oh, that person's really confident. God, like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm, you know, that we also can vibe in with the positive qualities of people. It's like, wow, 
how did you get to be that confident? How did you get to be that kind? How can I do that? How can I build that in myself? Yeah, that we slowly start working and reflecting in ourselves. And I hate to use the word self-improvement because ultimately in the deepest meditations that I've ever been in, the, the self goes bye-bye. That there's no more self, there's no more thoughts, there's no more feelings, there's no more willpower, there's no more duality, there's no more feeling of me, you, inside, outside. It just was just this openness. There was just an awareness and that was it. Like spaciousness, awareness, peace. That was it. You know, and then it's like, oh, okay, actually, when all this stuff drops away, there is just peace. That's what the Buddha is saying. The Buddha is not saying become like me. The Buddha is saying you are me. Yeah, you are already me. That was actually the message of Jesus too. He's like, you are all children of God. We are all connected. Yeah, all these religious figures have actually said you are already it. You are enough. Recognize that. Acknowledge it. Drop into it. You know. But then we think, oh God, I have to follow this. You know, I have to be your follower. I have to do it. You know. It's so we keep looking the wrong way. Um, but the whole point of this, the namaste, right? I recognize the divine in you. Yeah, that each of us are already, that peace is already there. Meditation, I'm not giving you something. You're not doing something. You're stopping, right? When you stop, when you let go, when you open up, peace just arises. 